episode 7.5 of the RPD Dispatch. Today it's a very special episode where we have Chris, better known as Crispy on the boards from Project Umbrella. He went to go visit Capcom and got to play a couple of games, Resident Evil 5, Bionic Commando. So he's here to talk about that and his experiences there. So uh, we'll take it away here after the break. One community. The horror is alive. Establish yourself as the community. Millions of fans. Like, oh my god, Mr. the hottest guy ever. He's so hot. I'd fight everybody just for him. He is mine so back on. Oh my god, it looks like Steven Seagal. In 1996, development began on a new project, a new game. However, the project was scrapped before its completion. But a beta of this project still exists. Its name... 1.5 Now, many seek this secret artifact, unaware of the terrible power it possesses. Member Colvin, he who controls the betas, controls the community. <laughs> this is my final mission! With the existence of betas made public, one man struggles to maintain order. Dot 50 Cal! Dot 50 Cal! Show us 1.5, please! Look, we don't have 1.5! We have no betas! Sir, the crowd is getting restless. Maybe we should show them the beta. No! They can't face this insidious power! And now, a twisted maniac seeks to seize control of the betas to rebuild his reputation. I will take all of your betas! Rule the community! You're insane, Calvin! Those betas weren't meant to be used in this way. You don't know what you're dealing with here. Now, this chaos unfolds. It's cool. He's taken the 1.5 beta. Rivals will steal. Kerbin has accomplished his mission. He has obtained the 1.5 beta. Project Umbrella is See what the big deal is. 1.5 is stupid. Leon doesn't even look cool. Now, in our darkest hour, I am the most powerful man in the community, and I have no babies. <laughs> No, they're all mutants. A madman must be stopped. So much for the hardest life. Dot 50 cal. <laughs> and a conspiracy unravels. There's evidence here about your involvement, and yet you stand here face to face with me and tell me that you had nothing to do with it? I told you before, my loyalties are with Project Umbrella, and now the beta is ours. This winter. 
So I guess everyone's really into this beta stuff, eh? Welcome to the acclaimed Hollywood director, Michael Bay. Hey guys, what's your favorite Leon hairstyle? I love how he looks in RE4. Prepare yourself for 1.5. So hello everyone, I am John, better known as Duff 50 Cal on the boards. And I'm Chris, better known as Alzir. And I'm John, better known as Mr. Spencer from Project Umbrella. I am Chris, better known as Crispy from Project Umbrella. And I'm Stian, better known as Carnival on the forums. And today we have Chris joining us, uh, as I said, just after getting back from Capcom. Um, you got to play a couple of games there, yeah? Yeah, it was great. So how how exactly did you get, get to go on this? Actually, it was thanks to Snow and Furnace, also known as Sean Baxter, um, one of the community reps for Capcom. Uh, Alexia kind of sweet-talked him into getting me on the list, and I showed up, and I'm really glad I did. Um, I had a great time. Now, how many other people went to this event with you? Do you know? Uh, I don't know an exact figure, but I'd say there was no more than 100. It was kind of low-key. Um, a lot of press was there. Um, not so much community, um, but they still treated us all pretty equally with respect. Um, it was a lot of fun. That's cool. Did, now, did was there any other like small time sites there? There, uh, well, the one site that I talked to uh, specifically was Destructoid, but they're not really small time. Yeah. Although they had one of the senior editors there, but then they also had a few people from the community who showed up that I guess are trying to like you know break into journalism with them. Um, it was mostly people from the Capcom Unity uh, boards, right? The community. Yeah, um, if it wasn't the community, it was a lot of people from the industry, like within Capcom, like um, people who do out get outsourced for making their Xbox Live Arcade games, or oh, okay. people, yeah, it, it was a lot of like industry insiders that showed up, so I got to have a lot of interesting conversations with people. The, the venue was pretty impressive, too. It was They had rented out a club called Mezzanine in San Francisco, okay. including the VIP room, and um, basically just set it up with LCDs everywhere. And then the upper story was where they had Bionic Commando, and on the floor was where they had Resident Evil 5. Um, and they had open bar and free food. <laughs> so, you know, that's always fun. And, um, uh, yeah, they had... Uh, uh, Resident Evil 5, the the build that I played with the new levels was down on the floor with like four screens and they had a Capcom staff kind of watching over one's shoulder because they actually uh, didn't prepare a, a proper demo. Instead, they just had us play the developer build. Oh, so pretty much had everything done at the moment on that then, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> It was, it was pretty exciting. I got to see a lot of stuff that you just don't see um, streamed from the the internet, um, including uh, one of the interesting things I saw was during loading screens, um, instead of having actual loading screens, they would have bits of history from the game oh. um, just like displayed there. I saw one about you know the founding of the T-Virus, the shutting down of the training facility, founding of Umbrella... The uh, cloning of Alexia. That's that's and pretty Alfred. interesting. They're they're trying to bring like uh, the the series past back into it. Like I think that's one of the big complaints about RE4 is it doesn't really have a lot of ties. So this is sort of a way to mm-hmm. kind of give people a refresher who are new to the series, even too. Yeah, um, I definitely get the feeling, especially talking to the people involved, that uh, 
they're trying to get a lot more of the, the older game back into it. Um, and what I see definitely definitely shows that's true. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I never really said uh, that I, you know, disliked Resident Evil 4's gameplay. I thought it was pretty great, but, like, um, the big problem and the big complaint with a lot of the older fans is that it didn't really involve the story a lot. You know, no real past connections with the games, and if if RE5 has that, then, you know, I think it's probably going to be a, you know, smash hit. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, in fact, some of the cutscenes that were shown during the levels I played hinted that Jill is going to be a major player in the plot. Very interesting. <laughs> we'll get into that in a moment, but I just keep, I just want to set it up a bit more here because, like, the event now, did they have any, like, specific uh, things, like tournaments or anything set up there? Yeah, they had a Bionic Commando tournament. Um, the only part of Bionic Commando we could play was the multiplayer portion. Oh. But honestly, yeah, unfortunately we couldn't play single player. But multiplayer was so fun that I'm afraid if I could play single player, I would have wasted all night in Bionic Commando and never gotten Resident Evil 5. Uh, the game's great. It's easy to pick up. It's like Lost Planet, if you've ever played it, except a lot more easy to play, a lot more forgiving. Um, you don't... Uh, a lot of the problems I had with like Lost Planet was you know, spawn camping. Yeah. Um, it was really easy to like camp someplace in that game, and the flow of Bionic Commando is a lot more fluid. Um, the levels are really lateral; um, they scale up really high, a lot of them. And because of that, it's uh, hard to predict where people are going to be shooting you from, um, which means that the the key to the game is really just to keep moving and to keep swinging the rad. And to keep uh, with the superior armory, um, which is kind of interesting also because weapons in that game kill people very quickly. Um, really? Sniper rifles are one shot. Machine guns, you can kill someone in like one to two seconds if you're aimed on them. Wow. Um, yeah, shotguns, like two shots, even at moderate range. So um, is, it, is it frustrating in that regard? Like are you constantly getting killed or you just got to keep moving? It's just you don't get frustrated. I mean, I'm sure it'll be frustrating if you stood still. But the point of the game is that you need to keep moving, and as long as you're swinging around, um, engaging with people, you're never gonna get to a point where you feel like you're constantly just being thrown against the wall. Now, uh, how how were the controls though? Because I know like a lot of this would probably hinge on the swing mechanic. Like I I don't think. Karn, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they're using the framework engine on this one. No, it, they're using a proprietary engine that belongs to Grin, which is the Swedish developer studio. And I think the name of it is Diesel, and I don't know which like version of it it is. I don't remember their numbers for everything. But but, but it is a propri- proprietary engine. But how does it feel like it's the swing mechanic, Crispy? Oh, it was very fluid. Um... When you swing around, you have a little cursor where you're looking that will kind of lock onto objects that you can grab onto. And so you know where you'll be able to grab as you're flying around. So you look around, and you keep spamming that left trigger button until you grab onto something, and then you swing. And the trick to it is to uh, figure out when to let go to keep your momentum going. Because if you hold on too long, your momentum will go straight up, and you Uh won't go very anywhere. 
you know. Um, so it takes a little bit of practicing, but it's more of uh, getting really fluid at it than learning how to use it because actually swinging is not hard. So basically it's the left trigger you press to extend the arm and then you release it to like retract it? Yeah. Um, that's if you're off the ground though. I mean, if you're off the ground and you press it to extend the arm, you grab onto an object, it'll start swinging right away. Um, this took me a little while to figure out when I first picked up the controller, but if you're standing on the ground and you grab onto an object, you just sit there with your arm on the object until oh. you press jump. Oh. So for a while there, I was just sitting there with my arm attached to stuff going, oh, why can't I move? <laughs> now, how about the character customization? Because I know I've seen a couple videos where there was people like multicolored. Is there any way to like customize your character at all? Um, not that I was able to play. We just had solid colors oh, assigned okay. to us. Yeah, I think there actually was something written about that, that you will mostly be using these types of like characters to non-personify the multiplayer experience or whatever you want to call it. Ah. To like not create the experience of having 15,000 Spencers running around or something. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we move on to Resident Evil 5, I still want to touch on Bionic Commando here because there was a tournament there now, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a tournament. Uh, Sean, uh, or otherwise known as Snow, was running it along with Seth. And uh, it was held in the VIP room. Um, a good group of people. Unfortunately, I missed my call. <laughs> and like I didn't get into the tournament right when I should have. I ended up just hopping in near the end, um, which is why I didn't end up walking away with the prize. But surprisingly... I was doing really well, so I kind of wish I did get entered in properly. Uh, now, what kind of prizes were there? There was uh, actually a, like a tin lunchbox, like all retro style with oh. the Bionic Commando symbol, and those were handed off. Um, There's also supposed to be a replica Uzi from Bionic Commando, uh, an airsoft replica, but it got shattered on the way from Japan, oh, so they man. weren't able to give it away. Um, as far as cool Bionic Commando stuff went, they had the arm there that you could put on. Oh, and, the infamous know, arm. Yeah, I think the Capcom yeah. blog had some pictures of people wearing it. Did you get to wear it at all? Um, I didn't put it on, but I took plenty of pictures of other people who did. <laughs> it, look, it looked pretty ridiculous on some smaller people. <laughs> Will you be putting up these pictures anywhere? Uh, yeah, I should be able to. I, they made me delete a lot of pictures, but I think I kept most of them. Oh, okay. Did you get yelled at for that, or? No, they didn't. Get, I didn't get yelled at for uh, taking pictures of you know people with the arm on and all that. I got yelled at for taking pictures of the LCD screens with the dev build of Resident Evil Five. <laughs> uh, they wanted to be extra sure I didn't walk away with those pictures. Just had to sneak in a couple shots. <laughs> <laughs> Now, didn't they, like, make it clear that you weren't supposed to take any, or...? No, I asked someone at the front desk if I could take pictures, and they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, um, okay. So I thought I could take pictures of whatever, and um, I could take pictures of whatever, except the Resident Evil 5 dev build, uh, which I guess I probably should have figured out on my own. Um, I was just wondering which version of Bionic Commando you tried. Was it the Xbox 360 version, the PC version, or the PS3? Or did they have all three of them available, or which one was it? 
It was the Xbox 360 version exclusively. They had like 16 of them set up. There were um, eight of them system linked to each other, so they had like two sets of games going simultaneously. And uh, the reason why they used the Xbox 360 version, if I were to guess, is because they're easy to system link. Yeah. Um, which is why uh, that was also the only console on the dev build that was going to be synced up for co-op. Um, the PlayStation ones weren't. Did you just say co-op? <laughs> I mean uh, for Resident Evil 5. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, the Only the Xbox 360 versions were synced up for co-op. Oh, so the well, PS3 the was version. AI partner only? Yeah. Uh, Although no one ended up playing co-op anyways because uh, they ended up getting out of sync on like who was switching off where. <laughs> But Bionic Commando, as far as it looked on Xbox 360, um, the graphics definitely aren't as impressive as like Resident Evil 5 or Devil May Cry or games of like that kind. Um, but they definitely have a certain appeal to them. Uh, the, the draw distance is what's really nice in there. Um, it draws extremely far. You can be on top of a skyscraper, story, stories high, and look down and see people fighting at the floor below. And um, it has a really nice engine for blurring. Um, it has a field of depth, like a field of view blur. It's, it's really nice. Uh, like when you're aiming, it, it has a nice depth of field? No, just even just looking around, um, it'll focus on the objects in front of you. So if you're on a roof and there's like a little... Uh, like building on the roof in front of you um, and you're looking at that it'll kind of blur the anything behind it and then if you uh, shift your view to like say a building across from your building it'll kind of blur things in front of you a little bit sounds kind of annoying you'd think but it makes the game look really nice especially when you're jumping around because things will kind of go out of uh, out of focus down below as you're coming towards them, you can kind of see things to grab onto and you'll grapple on and start swinging along. And uh, it's just a really neat feeling. Very cool. Now, let me ask you about Bionic Commando. Was there any, like, how many maps were there? I played three different maps. What kind of, um, what kind of environments were there? Let's, one of them I played the most was called Island, and it's probably going to be, like, you know, map favorite if I was to guess. Um, on that one, you're essentially on an island with three giant skyscrapers with all these, like, scaffolding between them, and there's, like, a broken-down subway that kind of, like, goes between them. And, uh, the, basically, the, we like, the good weapon spawns are either on the bottom or at the top of these buildings, so you have to scale the buildings. And, uh, the way that works, which actually took me a little bit to figure out, too, is, uh, if you grapple onto a building and you pull yourself up to it to you press jump you'll push yourself up and you can kind of do this over and over and get kind of a a smooth like uh, grappling up to the top of a building mm -hmm. and uh, what's really neat is when you get into fights on sides of buildings and you'll be jumping off the building and then you'll grapple onto it and swing around and like let go and start shooting at them then grapple back on and like jump back up and once you get like three people doing this on the same side of the building, things can get pretty hectic. <laughs> uh, another thing that a developer showed me actually, I was on top of one of the buildings on the island 
and I had a sniper rifle, and he hops up. And so I go to pull out my shotgun to shoot him, and he grapples onto me, and then jumps on my face and kicks me off the building. <laughs> did you go completely off? Like, did you die from that? Uh, it kicked me off the building, but then I grappled, you know, back onto the building and swung back up. Oh, okay. But it was such a shock to me. I was like, wow, I didn't know I could do that. So the first thing I did was did it right back to him. <laughs> It sounds. It definitely but, sounds like a fun game to play, like with that back and forth. Yeah, um, like I said, it's not easy or it's not hard to get kills. Um, and I know a lot of people probably dislike that in games, but uh, in games like this, I, I really enjoy it because people are moving so quickly. If it was hard to get kills, basically you'd just be chipping people's health until you found someone with low health, and then you'd get the kill. Yeah. And that's no fun, because we've all played games like that, and it's never any fun when someone gets away that you have dead in your sights, just to have someone else kill them. Yeah, yeah. But what about the other two two maps? Um, the other map I played was kind of, it was an enclosed map. It looked kind of like a rundown giant mall. There, there was like two, there was about three floors but there's two main floors there's like a main lobby with a second floor above it that uh was a railway actually not like a whole floor so you could shoot down into the main lobby from it um and then if you were down on the the bottom floor there was some areas where you could go down and then grapple back up to the top Uh. and so this one was a bit more enclosed had a lot more people like swinging on roofs and generally just running around trying to figure out what the hell to do. <laughs> um, the, the key to these games I found really was uh, getting the, the better weapon. Yeah. was a lot of it. Um, so, you know, you figure out where the sniper rifle spawn is, you figure out where the machine gun spawn is, and you just make rounds between them. Um, and then the third level... I actually did not get a chance to play, um, so I don't really know much about it. <laughs> but I remember seeing it on the map rotation list. No, there wasn't any jungle map because I know I seen like a jungle. I don't know if it was single player in early footage or what, but it was like a jungle environment. You didn't, there wasn't anything like that. I did not see a jungle environment, but then I also didn't play all the maps, ah, okay. so I, it could have been one of them. That sounds pretty interesting, though. I actually, like, especially with that, like, maybe we could do some sort of weird, like, King of the Hill thing where, like, some guy has to be up on top and then, like, people's job to knock him down with their arms, like, throw him back off. Oh, also interesting, um, there's melee attacks in this game. Ah. I don't know if that was previously known. Um, there's a heavy melee attack and a light melee attack. And, uh... It's not that useful when people start getting the better weapons, but especially when you first spawn and all you have is a pistol, it's really easy to run up to someone and just do a heavy melee attack and it sends them flying into the air. <laughs> and then you just take pot shots at them. Um, I assume that those attacks will probably have a lot more use in single player yeah. than multiplayer, but it was interesting to see them in there. Yeah. But no, uh, how many kiosks now were there for this for the RE5 demo specifically? 
There's just uh, well, there was a bunch of kiosks for the old demo, the one we've been playing from Japan. Oh, okay. Um, but there was only one kiosk with four setups on four sides for the new levels. Ah. And they probably did that so that they could monitor what everyone was doing. Yeah, definitely. So tell us a little bit about it. I mean, um, now which which stages did you play? I played um, a stage from Chapter 1 and a stage from Chapter 2. Um, the stage from Chapter 1 I played is the one that had the Bat Mutant that we've seen from oh, the video right. we hacked from the uh, viral website. Right, right. That's the um, um, when the when the truck crashes and the Bat Creature comes out of the back. Yeah, nice. Right. Yeah, we, we weren't supposed to see that yet. <laughs> now, where did it actually start? Did it start at the very beginning of the level? Like, did you, did you travel down into the pit, or...? Yeah, it starts at the beginning. It starts with a cutscene um, inside a building where Sheva and Chris enter a room where Irvine is in, uh, you know, trying to collect papers frantically. Mm -hmm. They run up and basically hold up their guns to him and order him to, like, comply, you know, give over the papers. He pulls out his Desert Eagle, kind of shaking pointing it around at them and uh things are starting to get a little heated you know you think fire's gonna go off and then a smoke grenade kind of lands through the window and starts going off and then the bird woman just kind of pops in the room grabs irvine and pops out the other window and like takes off with them oh okay um who's and, irvine is he the uh fireworks guy oh yeah uh yes yes irvine's the man with the blonde hair oh okay so okay. yeah um and then they walk over to uh, the papers because you know he like he left them there, and they're looking through it, and they mentioned something about like uh, oil fields, and then Sheva mentions how like oh that's my homeland or like that's the marshland I know or something uh, along those lines. That could possibly tie in with the Sheva new that was written on the Kajuju site. That could. In fact, uh, what I was thinking from that cutscene is that Irvine is part of some organizations that's trying to profit from the destabilization of the Kajuju zone. Um, and then right after that, the level picks up. You basically start in that room uh, with a Gatling gun firing at you. <laughs> Wait, now, now who's uh, manning the gun? Is it like one of the mounted ones like in Resident Evil 4? Yes, it's a mounted gun. And uh, okay. uh, it yeah, it's a bunch of the Ganado, whatever they're deciding to call it in this Ma game. I think Manji is the official term. Magini, I think. Oh, Magini? Okay. Yeah, okay. So it's a bunch of the Magini. And um, this is when you find, or at least I first found out, that you can actually take cover in this game. Um, Whoa, what? Yeah, uh, you can take cover in the windows and the trucks. I think it's specific objects that you can take cover on. Is it? And it's sort of like Gears of War where you can like take cover and then sort of move along it or no it's a lot more limited oh okay um, so you can't move once you take cover right it's... yeah basically you take cover and you stick to the wall and now what and like you have to aiming you have to press the button to release cover and then aiming's basically you point your cursor and press shoot and then your, your head pops up and you start firing oh wow weird I didn't even know about that. Yeah. Have they announced that officially? I think there was that leaked document a long time ago that basically said there was a dodge mechanic or something like that. But that's weird. Yeah, but I think the cover system has been mentioned recently. Really? Yeah, don't I quote me on it, but it really system. sounds familiar. 
It might have just been them making uh, comparisons to Gears of War that I'm thinking of. Ah, uh, okay. But, but continue. Yeah, basically, uh, you make your way out of the building, and uh, you find yourself on the cliff. Uh, you know, look to your right, and there's a sheer drop down to a, a river. Um, and then to your left is like a cliffside. And so the level's pretty linear. You just make your way forward. Is this up on the, like, the pathway where the truck actually crashes? Yes. Oh, okay. Great. The level's pretty linear. Uh, you make your way forward with uh, ladders leading up to different cliff paths. And as you're going, uh, Magini uh, drop from behind and in front, and they throw an explosive bottle or, like, <laughs> grenades. Do they still have dynamite? Yeah. They uh-huh. have dynamite, and they have, like, Molotov cocktails. And it's just like Resident Evil 4 where, you know, you shoot the dynamite and boom, they're gone. Like, out of their hand. Which is pretty satisfying. Um, and then you make your way forward and you get to the bat creature cutscene that we've seen. And then you start the boss fight. And um, the boss fight's probably a lot harder if I didn't have infinite ammo and infinite healing items. Oh, okay. But... The idea is that the boss is only vulnerable from the backside, where you see like the bulbous red area. Yeah. And it follows you from you know forward, so you can't look back and shoot at it. So what you're supposed to do is split it up between the two of you. Actually, so that let me stop you there. Um, I have a question. Uh, in the trailer, it sort of implied that like the truck just crashes on its own accord, maybe from the creature swaying or whatever. Is that clarified at all in the uh, demo? It doesn't really clarify much, except that you see the driver fall out dead. Oh, that's funny. And he looks kind of zombified, actually. Yeah, I think you, they showed his face and it was all bloodied and weird. Yeah, that's fun. That's weird. But uh, continue. Other than that, there's no explanation. Um... The only explanation I can offer is that once you finish the fight, um, a BSAA, like Hummer, drives up, and maybe they shot him or something. Oh, okay. Sniped him, yeah. I don't know. But uh, during the boss fight, basically the the key is to split them between you so that one partner can shoot the backside while the other distracts him. Um, And at this point, he's still walking around on the ground. Eventually, he'll pick up off the ground and start flying, and then you have to do, like, uh, dodge. Like, a little button will pop up and say, dodge now. Oh, a quick time events, yeah. Yeah, and if you don't do it, of course, he just, like, slams you to the ground. Um, also, if you, like, there's uh, claymores that you get in this game. Oh, like, wow. landmines. They're called proximity mines. Um, and you pick them up along the way in this level if you look around enough. And uh, if you play him on, place them on the ground, and he walks over it, and it blows up, he'll like fall on the side, so he can run up and just like tear up his stomach. Now the the proximity uh, mines are they? Uh, do you have to equip them as an item, or do, or do they have a special key bound to them? No, you have to equip them like a grenade. Oh. Okay. And uh, you place them on the ground, and then you can also pick them back up after they're placed on the ground. Oh, there you go. That's a good feature. Yeah. Uh, it's also not... So you can pick the proximity mines back up. Um, but what's interesting about the proximity mines, which is probably how they balance them to not be too overpowered, is that 
their trigger radius is extremely small. Uh, you literally have to walk on top of it for it to blow up. <laughs> Which, even like with the big creature, you'd think that wouldn't be hard. But it is. Because it, the, like a part of the creature doesn't have to walk over it. The center of the creature has to walk uh, over it. Oh, okay. So you literally have to corral this guy over this like mine. Um which is nice for you being able to pick it up and replace it because a lot of times you'll just place it someplace where it's like physically impossible to get someone to walk over it. Uh. Um, yeah, during the, the second part when he starts flying, he will lift off the ground and kind of swoop at you and you have a quick time event to dodge him. Uh. And, uh, but he doesn't stay in the air. Uh, he'll like fly around a little bit and then eventually he'll land on the ground and continue his little like charge towards you um yeah it's not as cool as you might think it is um (laughs) the only time it really got harrowing for me and and keep in mind that i'm playing with infinite ammo don't have to reload you know it takes a lot of the stress out of the game yeah um but if you get stuck in front of him shooting him for too long uh he'll run up and shoot this web on you and then you're stuck on the ground, and you're basically reliant at that point on your partner to distract him, or he'll just come up and finish you off. Oh, oh like an actual killing blow? Um, I don't know if he'll do an actual killing blow, but he'll still tear you a new asshole. <laughs> By the way, speaking of, like, killing blows and tearing you new assholes and stuff like that, uh, for those of us who played the Japanese demo early, we kind of noticed that there was some sort of censorship applied like camera moves out when you get decapitated and stuff like that did this demo have these kind of things implemented or were it like uncensored um it wasn't completely gratuitous but it was back to Resident Evil 4 like style so that like if uh, somebody got chainsawed their head actually did fall off right Yes. Oh, okay, great, yeah. Did the did the camera actually show it? Because I noticed in the biohazard demo, they sort of, like, pans below their head and, like, doesn't really show that it actually going through their neck. Well, to be honest, I wasn't paying attention, so I'm not sure. But there is the but I don't rem- Yeah, I don't remember it sticking out like it did in the Japanese version. Ah, okay. Now... You know, being the American I am, I'm used to violent games, so <laughs> it, it probably actually happened. But also on that point, um, I, I noticed a couple of people on the forums mentioned that the, there was a lack of women in the demo, just like the Biohazard 4 demo. Uh, did you notice any female uh, met Magini here? No, none. Oh, wow. Maybe that's pretty odd. I wonder if it's still like a... I wonder if you guys didn't get the Biohazard version... Still like the censored from Japan. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if we did get the Biohazard version. um, Because it was the dev version that I played. And it was probably the same dev version that was handed to Capcom USA. To look at for, like, marketing and that kind of thing. Did you notice, like, the title screen if it said Resident Evil? Because I know that they detect the uh, system's region and they'll display Resident Evil if it's, you know... U.S. or whatever. Did you notice any of that? We we actually did not get to look at the title screen. Oh, okay. The uh, the people running the demos were pretty strict about what you could and could not look at. Uh, so pretty much just these two levels that we're talking about now, and that's it? Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so after that fight, is there any cutscene or... Um, yeah, after the fight is over, uh, a Hummer drives up with a BSAA member in it, and uh, you hop in the back, and then it starts the next level, which you weren't really supposed to see, but they couldn't help but show it to anybody anyways, because the way the dev copy worked, you couldn't skip to another level during a cutscene. <laughs> no, wait, this but, BSA uh, agent, do we know him? Like, have we seen him before? He was a generic agent as far as I knew. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, he was one of, one of the named ones that I recognized. He was uh, white. Uh, I, okay. I don't know anything about their names. Um, but uh, basically the next cutscene, the level it led into, was uh, something we've seen in the TGS trailers where it shows the Mangini on the dirt bikes chasing him in the Hummer and uh, Chris is on the back with uh, oh. the Gatling gun. Yeah, that's that's the next level. Um, you know, they they obviously stopped it as soon as it started. Yeah. Very. Cool. Um, yeah. So the, the, there was a second level now. Now, which I think you said that one was on chapter one. No, the second level's in chapter two. Oh, okay. And uh, you start yourself in uh, this kind of industrial-looking zone with a lot of gas pipes and. Um, metal mesh walkways. Oh, is this... That sort of thing. Is this the one that we've seen in the GamePro cover? I think GamePro just released their uh, their screenshots from the issue online as well now, and it sort of shows, like, these pipes. You have to have to uh, activate the fire on them. Yeah, in fact, uh, that's exactly the level I played. Oh, okay. And those screenshots, to be con- I think, are made public today. Oh, great. Um, but... It's uh, your usual, like, run-around zone like you played in the Japanese demo where you start in the area and you have Mangini kind of swarm you from all sides. And while this is going on, you have to try and turn the handles to turn off the gas vein. Um, there's, like, four you have to turn. Um, there's two that are pretty simple. You just, like, run up to them and get them. Um and then there's two where you have to pull a lever to operate a, a shimmy, basically, so that you can slide down to them. Uh-huh. Um, once you activate the first two, uh, a chainsaw guy pops out. Of course. <laughs> and starts chasing you, of course, which makes things even more hectic. And then once you activate the second two, um, a second chainsaw guy pops out. Oh, Jesus. Now, this wasn't too difficult for me because I had infinite ammo. Yeah. Um, so I ran around and actually killed them. It took me, like, a good five to ten minutes to kill each of them, even with infinite ammo. Yeah. But I can only imagine that it would be nearly impossible to kill them on your first run through the game. Yeah. Um, and also, the, the corridors are really tight. So and they can back you into a corner really easily. So if you're not careful, it's really easy to get killed. Um, you just have to be quick with the stuns, basically. Yeah. Um, and so then once you get the pipes turned off, you know, obviously there's no fire, so there's no barrier anymore. Um, you go through and you end up making your way into a warehouse. And inside the warehouse, you get a cutscene where it introduces a, another black male BSAA member. I believe his name is Kirk. 
Oh, right, yeah, that might... That could be Kirk. I think they showed wallpapers early on that had, like, uh, a black a BSA agent. I think his name is Kirk, though, because I've heard, I've heard Chris say Kirk before in one of them. Yeah, they, they said his name in the cutscene, but I didn't take notes, so I, I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it was Kirk. Um... Essentially, the way the cutscene runs is Kirk, you, you find Kirk in the warehouse, and Kirk looks at Sheva and goes, why haven't you retreated? And Sheva says, uh, we found pictures of one of Chris's old friends on the on uh, the hard drive you off Irving, and Chris says something along the lines of, I gotta find her, I gotta settle this. Is this Jill we're talking about here? It's definitely Jill we're talking about here. <laughs> Oh wow, that's pretty crazy. What like recent pictures or like what are they? I don't know. They didn't go into detail. Um, they pro Capcom probably wanted it that way too. Yeah. They they so really if you don't, don't want, want me. any spoilers. You should just not listen to what you just heard. <laughs> yeah, we'll mention. Uh, I'll mention that there's spoilers on this. So, <laughs> but keep going. Yeah. Well I know Capcom's trying to like, stop the spoilers, which is probably why they cherry-picked these two levels to play. Um, but I'm not stupid. Yeah. so <laughs> It's easy to figure this stuff out. They don't actually explicitly say Jill, right? They just say old ex-partner or something like that? or Yeah. Plus, with all the clues they levy in the TGS trailers, Yeah. it's really easy to, to put the scenes together and figure out what's going on. Um... So basically, this level starts with the Kirk um, operating a computer trying to get an elevator to activate. And while it's going on, you and Sheva have to protect him from a bunch of Mangini swarming him from all sides. Um, you know, it's pretty typical fare as far as Resident Evil 4 5 goes. Um, the thing that bothered me most was even though there was a lot of Mangini, what would happen a lot is they would rush up to you and just kind of stand there for a second. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, and, like, they would do that to uh, Kirk as well. And I assume that the point of this was to make it not as, uh, not so hard. I wonder if they didn't have the demo on easy mode for you. Because usually at press events like this, they, they usually do tone it down. Yeah, I wonder that too. Um, although I asked someone, and they said... There was no nothing special aside from the infinite ammo and infinite health, uh, or I shouldn't say infinite health, infinite healing items. Yeah, which basically translated to every time I got hit, Sheva turned over, was like, "Take this," and sprayed some <laughs> spray at them. Um, and so you end up activating the elevator. You go through it. You go up to like I guess the upper level of the warehouse building, mm -hmm. um, and then the three of you fight your way through this uh, catwalk and which is pretty interesting to see two AR partners with you because they'll actually work together to fight people oh, one wow. of them will shoot him in the leg right and they'll stumble over then the other one will go and do a melee attack that's pretty cool um, yeah it's, it's neat to see especially because they can basically run through the level for you <laughs> almost <laughs> um, but you end up getting to the end and then he uh, you know obviously of course has to operate another computer console to activate a door and so all that's going on you have to protect them but this time not only are Mangini pouring in through the windows but you have a chainsaw guy coming oh. and uh, 
but they're coming through a linear path that you had just taken. Oh, so if you okay. have you know proximity mines, you can kind of set it up and uh, try and stop them from getting there. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to see what happened after this because I ran into one of the more annoying parts of Resident Evil 5 where I was fighting the chainsaw man and I had just stunned him and I was about to go up and hook shot him. And then the cutscene triggered where it shows Kirk getting done typing in the computer and going, it's open, let's go. Of course, this is a, a real-time cutscene. Yeah. But this doesn't stop the Chainsaw Man's uh, from getting back up from a stun. So as soon as the cutscene was over, he was sitting right in front of me with a chainsaw and chainsawed me to death. Oh, no. And I saw this happen to about three different people as I was walking around. Um, trying to find someone who could beat this last level so I could see what the ending cutscene was. But it never happened. I ended up catching bits and pieces of it. Um, basically what I saw was them in a boat. Um, before the boat, I saw them run up and see Irving again, who was also in a boat. And then the bird woman ends up saving him again. Uh. Um, and then you see the three of them on the boat driving away, and they exchange some dialogue, which I can't recall at the moment, but I don't think it was anything groundbreaking. Yeah. Um, and then that's that. I assume the next level leads up to is probably the water level we've seen. Because we've seen footage of, like, the... Kirk, I think Kirk was even on it, like, on a boat escaping a facility as it explodes. Was this the scene? Yes, that was the scene. Ah, okay, great. <laughs> Um, and then that's all they allowed me to play. Now, is there anything you could, anything else you could talk about? Like maybe what weapons you saw or. One interesting thing I noted was that they brought back the treasures from Resident Evil 4. As I was walking through the level from chapter one, um, I was walking up this ladder to go up to a higher pathway in the mountain and I was walking up there and there was this little glistening to my right. So the first thing I do is I jump back down I look up and I shoot and a diamond falls. And I pick it back up, and oh. it says, you know, you obtained a diamond. Um, but when I went to my inventory, I couldn't find this anywhere. So I don't know how they're handling the treasures now. Yeah. Now, let me ask also, you really quick. Is uh, there any way to examine uh, items you pick up? Not that I could see. Maybe in uh, the menu uh, that I'll okay. get to after the level. Okay. Um. Another thing I also noticed was if you kill the Chainsaw Man, they dropped a golden spindle, which I assume that you could, you know, resell for yeah. a huge amount of money. And um, at the end of each level, you got a menu. Now, I'm not sure if this was just in the developer build or if this is how it's going to work in the actual game, but you got a menu that showed you that had three options. One was manage, one was organize, and one was uh, either inventory or store. Something along those lines. Um, manage allowed you to manage the inventory between Sheva and Chris and kind of like swap things around before the next level. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Organize did because I never actually clicked on it. Um, an inventory or a store was what you'd think it was. Um, a store you got to go into uh, to buy items. Was there a defat, like a, a uh, merchant or it was just a faceless nope. thing? Oh. It was a faceless thing. It was just a menu. 
So like I said, I don't know if this is actually how it's going to be in the actual build or if it was just like that for the developer build. Yeah. Um, just so you had easy access to weapons. Um, and on the weapon list was every weapon in the game. And there was a lot of weapons. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, there's a lot of variety of weapons. Um, kind of like how Resident Evil 4 had a lot of variety. Except I'd say even more than Resident Evil 4. Because now you have uh, a lot of assault rifles to choose from now uh, um and they all have kind of like pseudo realistic names um you're not getting anything ridiculous like chicago typewriter <laughs> but you're not going to get the actual models either yeah um some of the more interesting weapons to note was there was a grenade launcher which had different kinds of rounds you could put in like classic re so you had like incendiary oh, poison concussion pretty cool um, there was a minigun you could buy, a Gatling gun. <laughs> how, did yeah. that, how did that work? Um, I only saw it equipped once, and as soon as the staff behind him saw it was equipped, he made him delete it from his inventory. Oh, but when he had it on, um, instead of just having a giant Gatling gun on his back, he had a, a giant box, like a metal canister on his back. And I assume that to pull out the gun, he has to put it down, open it up, and assemble the gun to shoot it. Oh, yeah, like just a quick setup, but with that amount of weight, it'd probably take some time. Yeah, and um, if that's true, I assume the point would be that you have to have your partner protect you while you set up your Gatling gun, so yeah. it's not just a, an I-win gun. That's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, uh, other weapons that they had, you know, they had like the classic RPG. Um, they had a stun baton you could buy. Huh. Um, and they had a, a bow and arrow. <laughs> like a, like a crowd, like not a, um, not a bow gun, right? Like a, like an actual bow and arrow, right? Like, like a bow and arrow, like you'd see on a Native American. Oh, wow. It wasn't anything special like crossers. It was just like a regular bow and arrow. <laughs> well, we have seen like villages, so I'm you'll probably get one there huh yeah um if i were to guess i'd say the bow and arrow and stun baton were mongini uh weapons yeah and i, I don't know if you're actually allowed to equip them in the game mm. uh, although i saw one person with the bow but again he had it deleted before he could use it so <laughs> I, I don't know if there's actually animations for it oh okay um. Yeah, and that's pretty much everything. By the way, can I ask something about when you said there were multiple AI partners in one segment of the part you played? Yes. Uh, and you said they basically operated on their own. They they aren't behaving like the AI partners in Outbreak, right? They wouldn't run off, steal some key items, and then trade them for a herb in some corner somewhere and basically go die somewhere with them, right? No, no. Um, they just ran around and took care of business. They never pick up items, um, as far as I could tell, uh, and just left them for you to pick up. So they sort of seemed like they were on a set path to get to the to the elevator door or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, because they went ahead of me. They didn't just follow me. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but they did go up, and I'm not sure if it was like a waypoint kind of system, because I kept up with them, but they were running ahead of me. Yeah. 
I'd imagine it'd have to be some sort of waypoint system like that. Did, did they have, like, some sort of, like, in-game dialogue thing going between them while you play? Like, random quotes and stuff that they say when they do stuff? Um, I don't know, because there wasn't any sound. Uh, the sound was all drowned out by music uh. and the general chatter. So everything in cutscenes, I basically read the subtitles. Oh, so okay. if they were exchanging dialogue, I wouldn't have been able to hear it. I'd imagine they are, uh, though. Yeah, probably. But I'm just curious because, like, I brought up Outbreak before, and Outbreak had some pretty hilarious dialogue going on with the <laughs> right thumbstick <laughs> stuff for tossing out comments and stuff like that, where you would have one <laughs> of the characters running around shouting like, Dear God, you're worse than my ex-wife all the time. <laughs> Just over and over and over again. <laughs> um, no, uh, from what I grasped um, from the game, because one TV did actually have the volume like pumped up. Um, but the, the voice acting and writing in general is way higher quality than previous Resident Evils. It seemed like they put a lot of work in getting kind of a blockbuster feel in there, but also getting a script that's kind of up to blockbuster level. Awesome. Now, now you've played the uh, the public demo, the Japanese demo, yeah? Yes. Now, did you notice anything sort of different with the mechanics behind it, or...? Uh, no. No, in fact, I played both the PS3 and the Xbox 360 version. Oh, really? And, yeah, they had um, two on each console setup and uh, they played it identically uh, the button layout's the same so did you did you notice any visual difference between the two or I noticed absolutely no difference playing them oh wow uh, they both look fantastic um, if there is a difference it's very subtle yeah I'm happy to see that because I know that the framework engine's been used on a couple multi-platform games now I think Devil May Cry 4 was the most recent and that port turn you know they pretty much identical to each one another yeah the the animations the graphics um, i didn't notice any like aliasing standing out on either it looked really good how about the ps3 controller now was it difficult to aim with that because i know a lot of people say they have difficulties with the analog sticks um personally i did find it a little more difficult to especially aim the sniper rifle but it wasn't game-breaking, because a lot of enemies are right in your face most of the time. Yeah. So, perf you know, pixel-perfect aim's not that important. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, I asked a few people, at least three different people, about whether you could or could not upgrade weapons, like Resident Evil 4. Yeah. And everybody gave me a, we're not ready to release information on that. Uh, it responds. After playing the demo, I gotta think that they have to, because the reload on that shotgun is so slow. And it only holds yeah, five it, shells, so it's gotta, you gotta be able to... And I have a feeling that the weapons I was using with the uh, dev build were upgraded, because I was tearing people up. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, personally... I kind of hope you don't, because that's what made Resident Evil 4 really easy, was getting a pistol that could, like, two-shot people. Yeah. Well, I always liked that aspect of the game, but it's just a matter of, you know, 
like upgrading if you want to challenge like you know play it on a higher difficulty or don't carry over your weapons from the previous playthrough mm -hmm. I don't know I guess we'll see in future updates yes um, I had a chance to speak with Matt Dahlgren who is running all of Resident Evil 5's marketing material right now um, he also was one of two people who made the viral Kajuju site that we've all been talking about. Oh, um, okay. And at first, we got, were just talking about Resident Evil in general. You know, he's a real big fan of the classic Ari. We shared some stories about the original um, the remake for GameCube and kind of the industry in general, survival horror, like talked about Dead Space a little bit. And then um, the viral website came up. And he was, like, pretty excited to talk about that because it's what he's been working on. Um, the point, as he told me, was to get material out to the fans before the press um, and yeah. kind of get get the word going, get spread around. Because, you know, he knows that he has the hardcore community, but he wants to get more of the general populace and at the same time keep the hardcore uh, there. So they're solution to this was to start this viral campaign where they'd have um, the hardcore community basically campaigning around and then be rewarded for that campaigning with more material and um, so I, I let him know that my friends were the ones who dismantled this site and he's like oh you people <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's when things uh turn more towards uh, the Resident Evil hardcore community side and uh, started asking me questions about how we responded to this site, what we thought about Resident Evil 5 in general, um, like whether I thought that the prizes that they were handing out were good. And uh, generally I told them that yeah, what I've seen on the forums that everybody's really excited. Um, everybody likes the viral site and we want to see more of it. Yeah, um, definitely. Like the whole community thing, it seems like it's something Capcom is really like trying to do now. With like, if you take for instance Street Fighter 2 HD, where they had people from OC Remix do the soundtrack for the game. Yeah, it's really yeah. in recent years, like with the Capcom Unity blog, especially with like with the website redesign and everything, when they started getting that out, where it's a, it's a lot more user focused now, like with user input. And especially, like, this kind of an event, like, we'd never have somebody from the community go and play, you know, Resident, the new Resident Evil game before. It's great. Um, I really enjoyed my time there. Uh, I spoke with some very high-up people, and everyone treated me with respect. Uh, they wanted to know what I thought, because in the end, um, we're the people they're making the games for. Yeah. Um, I even spoke with Mike, who is the manager for marketing in USA like all together and uh, he was very interested even in what the community thought and what they were doing about their games um, uh, everybody there was really friendly um, it was a great experience uh, my respect for Capcom has gone up a lot actually from having been there and speaking with uh, the good people of Capcom USA can't really speak for Capcom Japan, but... Yeah, well, but it's absolutely fantastic they invited you, and we thank them so much that they, that you could go and see that. 
absolutely like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity there. Yeah, I think Sean, like at least on three separate occasions. <laughs> <laughs> so that is going to do it for episode 7.5 of the RPD Dispatch. We'll be returning again with episode 8 on December 28th. We'll be talking about the Biohazard 5 demo, finally. We know you've been waiting for this podcast, so I wanted to get this one out for you guys to sort of satiate the hunger in the meantime. So again, sorry for the delay on the 8th edition of the podcast, but look forward to it on December 28th, right after Christmas. So until we see you again, I'm Dot50Cal. Have a good Christmas, everyone. Yeah, I got a phone call. Hold on. Okay. Like, it's proximity of explosion. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm getting feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Karn, you're feedbacking. No, I'm not feedbacking. I've got the USB headset. There shouldn't be anything feedbacking here. Dear God, you're worse than my ex-wife. Any more bionic porn questions, Karn? Because I'll just cut this and put it on the bionic part. Oh, I'm just sitting here doing what I gotta do when I listen to bionic Karando stuff. I'll <laughs> <laughs> call in the bloopers. <laughs> I don't think so. And the only reason I mentioned all the weapon stuff was because I saw everybody looking at it. Yeah, I saw it. I even saw people taking notes about it. So. He, he's the one who started it. <laughs> <laughs> and that, uh, the community involvement that they're creating is really nice. Um, he was very interested, actually, in uh, our input on on these sorts of matters. Um, so hopefully we can work together to get more input from the community later on. Um, uh, I don't know where I'm going to go with this. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll cut it off before we start going there, because I don't want to, like, say that and have to look at those guys. Or like try to see yeah. like we're coming off as we're bragging or something. Alrighty, um, I think that's probably it. Unless you guys have any questions, Chris, you've been quiet at all podcast. I'm listening intently. 